You are listening to Love Your Practice with Dr. Laura Mock. I'm a general dentist, a practice owner, and a certified life coach. I teach women who own dental practices to lead with intention and literally fall in love with their businesses. Keep listening and you will see how learning to love your practice turns into loving your life too. Hello, hello, ladies. It's Dr. Laura Mock. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Love Your Practice. I am super excited about this episode today. I had a fascinating and helpful interview with a man named Dave Monahan, and he is the founder and CEO of Clear, which is one of the membership dental membership sites you can use to start your own membership plan. What am I talking about? Well, listen to the episode to learn more, but basically it's a step we can take as members of, uh, as owners of our practice to invite people who do not have insurance to uh, enroll with, for care with us uh, without there being a third party in the middle of it. So listen to this episode. I gained so much from this episode, mostly about, you know, when we're getting ready to sever our relationship with these third party payers, we start, our my brain starts telling us that maybe this is dangerous, right? And so our brain's like, no, 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 stay where you are, stay in your lane. This is where it's safe. But really, if we think about it, where we are, if we're attached to all these third-party payers is putting us at a disadvantage. So this is just one tiny step that we can take to give ourselves a little bit more independence from those third-party payers. Now, before I start, I want you to know that I am going to put on another webinar. I did one back in, I think it was March. I'm going to do it again at the end of April, April 28th. This time, instead of doing it on a Friday afternoon, I'm going to try in the evening to see if I can get some of you ladies who couldn't come to the other one. So it's going to be 7 p.m. Central Time. You are invited. You are my people, the ones who are listening to this podcast. The subject is going to be how to love your practice by changing only one simple thing. And spoiler alert, I'm going to be talking again about my mastermind. So we've been doing this mastermind now for a month or two. And I'm telling you what's happening in there with this group coaching is so good. We are having so much fun and we're learning about ourselves and our practices. So if you want to attend the webinar, and by the way, if you can't attend it live, go ahead and register anyway, because I will be sending you a replay link <clears throat> if you register. Go ahead and go to my website, loveyourpractice.net, and just click on the link. It's right underneath my picture that says register for webinar now. And then April 28th, 7 p.m. Central, I will see you there and bring your pen and your pencil and you're typing fingers because we're going to get you guys participating and we're going to get into the nitty gritty of how to fall in love with your practices, your dental practices. I know it's hard, you guys. I own a dental practice too. I am here to support you in this. So without further ado, let's get to Dave Monahan and let's think about our mindset that we need to grow our independence from these third-party payers. Okay, ladies, we'll see you on the other side. 
All right. I would like to welcome to Love Your Practice, Dave Monahan. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Oh, thanks for having me, Laura. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah. And I just realized that we are Big Ten opponents with each other. Like I'm a Hawkeye, you're Penn State. We'll try to put aside our differences for this 45 minutes so we can get along and then we can pick up our rivalry after this. Does that sound okay? Uh, that sounds great. Yeah, and um, actually the one huge admiration I have for Iowa is that the Children's Hospital next to the stadium and how they salute it and all that stuff. I yeah, we do the wave. Mm -hmm. Wave at all the patients up there. That's kind of a cool tradition that got started a few years back. Yeah, yeah so um, Dave is the CEO of a company called Clear. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's a company that helps dentists start membership programs. Did I say anything wrong yet, Dave? No, that, that's okay. right. All right. Now, for those who aren't familiar with it, can you explain to us what is a membership program? And also, I would love to know how you landed where you are right now. So start with membership program and then what's your story? Okay. And uh, they actually are intertwined, but the membership plan program, real simply, is you offer your own care plans directly to your patients, right? Mm -hmm. And so basically design them however you want to design them. So whatever you know, treatment uh, philosophy you have and protocol you have, you build that into the care plan. So things like your cleanings, your exams, your x-rays, right, are built, typically built into the uh, plan. Uh, patients will pay you a monthly or annual subscription for access to that plan, and then you'll provide discounts for other treatment. And that's sort of at a real baseline level, sort of what a membership plan is. But the great part about it is you get rid of the middleman, right? It's a direct relationship between you and your patients, which is really, really important. Um, mm -hmm. And the other thing is that you bring your clinical expertise to the treatment protocol of the plan. And typically practices will have two, three, or even four different care plans, depending on their patient demographics, right? Yes. You'll design them differently depending on your demographics. And we can get into more detail about that, but it's really cool. It can be customized for your practice. And I'm just going to stop you for just a second, because I love that you're calling it a care plan. Um, but just to be clear, what we're doing is we're selling this package to people who either don't have a third party payer or who have a really crappy one. <laughs> And, exactly. and aren't really getting a benefit from that. And so in that way, it's somewhat of an insurance substitute and you're probably trying not to use that word insurance, but it's just something that patients know that word. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, just a reference. it's a reference point, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay, so now how did you end up in this leadership role that you have right now? So my background is tech. So I'm an engineer by training. I work for a number of companies. The one everybody knows, obviously, is Microsoft. So I worked for Microsoft for about eight years and got into all kinds of different things. But where I sort of landed and sort of grounded myself is applying technology to healthcare. So I, I worked for uh, Microsoft for a number of years, and I went and started my own company. And we developed devices, uh, medical and fitness devices, that people wore on their bodies. And it mm -hmm. would track things like, I mean, at a base level exercise, but also we developed more sophisticated devices that track uh, cardiovascular systems. And we basically developed a patch you could put on your chest to do that. And it wirelessly sent data up to phones and things like that. But um, the net was what I really enjoyed was applying that tech to help people uh, from a health perspective. And we would, back in, that, in those days, I was creating partnerships with hospitals, healthcare systems, um, you know, just consumer wellness apps uh, to provide uh, data inside 
uh, uh, wellness and health program. So that was, I did that for a number of years, ended up selling that company. I was looking for the next thing to do. And I ran into somebody who owned as a small group uh, who owned six dental practices and mm. sat down with the person and just, you know, it was just sort of a random thing. and just asked them what the business was like. And my experience with dental up to that point was I went every six months, right? I assumed dentists made a ton of money. Uh, I thought everybody was like sort of whatever uh, happy uh, with sort of the arrangements because I knew you know, obviously in my opinion everybody would go to the dentist and uh, he gave me the reality of the dental space which was he's like a lot of patients don't come in right and he was saying like 50% I was like no way I was like half the people don't go to the dentist he's like nope and I was like wow and then he said and the insurers are the worst he's like the insurers kill us and up to that point I assumed insurers and dentists were sort of partners. I was like, wow, that was news to me. And so I decided to spend three months looking at the market. So, um, and I, he, he let me look at his dental practices and I could go and interview, you know, the dentists, the patients and things like that. And then I brought in actually a third party market research firm to do broader research. So I did my own. I tried to understand things that were going on. And then I brought a market research firm in to, to broaden it, talk to lots of practices across the country. Uh, we did focus groups, we did interviews, and then we did a national survey. And from all that, I built, we built clear. And the reason we built it was, it was obvious that the market needed a new type of solution. That mm -hmm. dentists obviously were having trouble making any kind of profit, right? In a real practice around dental insurance, that was number one. But on the other side, which was just as important, uh, and in a way more important was the patients weren't getting what they wanted. And mm -hmm. so the patients who had insurance hated the hassles, right? And hated all the uh, exclusions and the, you know, deductibles and, you know, the restrictions, uh, you know, restrictions and the pre-approvals. And mm -hmm. like, they knew all the hassles. And one of the, the best was a focus group we had. And one of the patients said, hey, you know, I, sh I signed up for insurance, but I know they're going to get me. That was their comment, right? Yes. And I was like, wow. So there's a the thing on the patient side, just as deep as a, on, the, on the dentist side. So that was, we decided it was time to bring something to market that addressed both sides, you know, the patient's needs and the, the dental practice mm -hmm. needs. Yeah. So I'm just going to stop you there because I want to say some of the things that I find my patients um, lose out on when they have traditional dental insurance. Okay. And this these problems are solved by my membership plan because I have a membership plan in my practice. I've had it for about three years now, and it brings in this special kind of patient that I just love. So if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't started a membership program yet, just make sure you finish this episode. Okay. But what I find is that patients, number one, if they don't have dental insurance, they think they can't come to the dentist and they wait and they wait and they wait. And then they come and see me and they're like, I finally have dental insurance. Let's fix everything. And I'm like, great. And it's going to save you a whole $800 that you waited six years or whatever, you know, and then they have this disappointed feeling that I have to kind of guide them past and help them be back in the empowered space where they're actually empowered to fix the problems that they have. And so that's the first problem that we have is that insurance, it's kind of like this 
first of all, it's not really insurance, right? Let's call it what it is, which is more like a voucher or a, a plan that gives you a little bit of money every year. And the the existence of this plan limits people's minds and thinks that they don't have access to care when they actually do. Okay. And then of course they come and they find out how crappy it is. And then what they do is they start changing their oral health goals to fit into the restrictions. For example, I can say to Mrs. Jones, you've got this big crack on this lower molar and maybe the, maybe the tooth doesn't have a restoration on it at all, or maybe it's just a little one. And I say, the best thing you could do to try to save this tooth is to get a crown on it as soon as you can. Oh, but by the way, Mrs. Jones, I know you have that third payer party plan, but it's not going to cover that because that plan has excluded cracks from any reason why I would ever pay for a crown. And then they go, well, you know, could I wait? And I understand why they would ask that question. I totally understand why they would ask it. But the, it, the insurance plan is incentivizing them to put off care that would actually benefit them. And it won't be that plan's problem when that tooth becomes non-restorable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It would have been so much better for her if she actually didn't have a third party plan and could have had her mind open to the fact that she can get the crown if she wants the crown. Yeah. Absolutely. And just to back up, like all those things you were saying, we actually collect data from our practices and look at a number of things and, and sort of how patients behave, you know, if they're insured or if they're uninsured or if they have a membership plan. Here's, here's sort of the stats. And this is across lots and lots of practices. Um, uninsured patients come in once on average, once every two years. And I, I, you talk to dental practice, I've done this multiple times. They'll say, no, that's not me. My uninsured come in, right? And then we pull their data. It's amazing. It is so consistent. Like it is once every two years. You might get a little better than that, but not a lot. Um, the other thing though is insured patients come in on average about 1.5 times a year. So the insured patients come in three times more often than the uninsured on average. Membership plan patients act just like insured patients. They come in 1.5 times a year on average. I mean, think about it. If I have coverage, I come in, right? And yeah. so it doesn't matter if it's a membership plan or insurance, I have coverage. So you get rid of that block of, right, I don't have coverage, so I'm going to stay away. I, I absolutely agree. And then the other thing is that when I'm talking to my membership plan patients and I'm like, oh, you know, we have this problem, would you like to fix it? There's no middle conversation of what will my insurance cover and then I'll decide. It's, oh, I have a problem and I can fix it because I have a dentist that I trust in a relationship with her. And it just like really smooths out that speed bump of patients asking themselves whether they want to address a problem or not. Do you find that in your data? Yeah, so that's exactly this next set of data. So we actually measure the production of patients, insured, uninsured, and membership plan. And the membership plan patients purchase over twice the amount of care as an uninsured patient. So the, the number is actually 2.1x. And mm -hmm. it's exactly what you're talking about. And by the way, it's about 40% higher than insured patients. And the reason the insured patients are lower is because of the caps and the restrictions and the exclusions. Oh. Yes. So it keeps them from accepting care. Membership plans have none of that. So they actually accept, so think about that for a second, right? They're accepting 40% more treatment mm -hmm. and you're controlling the fees, right? You're not getting a 40% discount from the insurer. So it's, it's, it has a double 
uh, whatever, it's a, a double positive, I guess. Yes. Yeah. So let's just make an example out of that because this happens in my practice all the time. We've got 18 and 19. They're both cracked and broken down. Okay. One person has insurance and I say, hey, I could treat both of these teeth at once. And then I only have to get you numb one time and you don't have to miss as much work. And the person with insurance is going to say, well, how much will it cost, you know, doing one crown versus two crowns? And of course, that second crown is going to be mostly out of pocket for that insurance patient. And they will opt to come in and do the second crown in another calendar year. Whereas my, my membership plan patients, they don't have to think about that. They are free to just choose whatever is best for them. Of course, they're going to do two at once. And so then I have better care for my patient and it's at least twice as profitable, probably more because it doesn't take me twice as long to do two crowns and I'm getting full price for both crowns. Yeah, and I, a personal experience, I, did, I had a crown uh, completed about six months ago and I can't imagine waiting another year to get that done. I could, I was having trouble eating anything, right? It was mm -hmm. painful. Mm -hmm. and the idea of waiting, I just can't imagine, you know, waiting that long. And then the other thing that I learned after I got the crown done was, oh, you got to wait another 12 months or I'm sorry, another five years to get another one done. Mm -hmm. and there was an exclusion in the, in the agreement that it was yeah. five years from the next one. I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so bad. But if you think about it, like, let's just pretend we're a third party payer for a minute. Okay. So you and I run a dental insurance company, right? It's our job to keep the premium payments in our coffers and to make blockages for pay, paying out claims, right? So then you just make rules around what can be paid and what can't, and you make blockages to allowing that money to go back out. So it just makes sense that you, that you would have those restrictions. And over the years, the restrictions have become more and more and more. And I've been, I've owned my practice for 13 years now, and I've never once seen anything get easier. It only gets harder. And I've also seen that the reimbursement rates as a trend are going down. So yeah, we have stats on all of that as well. So reimbursements rates have declined for the last 10 years uh, mm -hmm. across the country and mm -hmm. it's significant declines every year. Um, the other thing is what uh, is measured in uh, general healthcare is called medical loss ratio. So a medical insurer who sells you know, medical insurance to somebody, there's laws that say that medical loss ratio has to be 80%, which means 80 cents of every dollar put in needs to go to care. And if it doesn't go to care, it needs to be returned to the subscriber of that insurance policy. The, in dental, there is no laws like that. There is no laws about what that loss ratio is. So I, I, I can do a, a quick uh, sort of quiz. What do you think the loss ratio in dental is for an insurer? So it's 80 plus percentage on the medical side. What do you think it's on the dental side? And just as an aside, we have to, you know, point out that the biggest insurer in the company is a quote unquote nonprofit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're a very profitable nonprofit. But um, I would guess sixty-five. Yeah, very close, sixty percent. Okay. So mm -hmm. Translate. Let me translate that. Forty percent. Forty percent of what's spent on dental insurance does not go to care. To the <laughs> That's so, so let's say we get snap our fingers, get rid of insurance. Everybody, every dental practice would have 40% more care 
to be applied, right? It's crazy yes. that 40% is wasted in the process. I think maybe you and I should stop what we're doing right now and start a dental insurance company. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, no, because that's not really very good for the dentist or the patients. But yeah, that's so fascinating. Okay, so I want to transition here for a minute because you have completely convinced me that I already knew, but it's so smart to have a membership plan. And actually, before we go on, because I have more questions for you, but tell me in, um, in a couple of sentences, the benefits that you see to a dental practice that take on this membership plan? Like, what do you see improving for them? So there's a number of things. The first one is what you mentioned as far as the membership plan patients are their best patients. Um, and it's not, it's, it's not a transactional thing. It's you're creating a, uh, this membership and you're creating something. You make these patients feel like VIPs of your practice. And they really appreciate that. So number one is just the patient appreciation you get from a membership plan and their loyalty to your practice. Mm -hmm. And so they, when you think about these uninsured patients, they don't, they probably have looked at that insurance, by the way, we've seen that a lot of these patients have, and they turned it down because of what I talked about before, they're going to get me right. And there's all yeah. these exclusions and all kinds of stuff that's in there that I hate, uh, but they don't have coverage and they feel we, the best way I would put it is when we did our market research, they feel exposed when they come into your dental practice uh, because they're not sure how much things are going to cost, right? They're paying cash or whatever. They're paying every time they get something done. It doesn't, it feels very transactional to them, right? Uh, and they have this sort of underlying nervousness about cost. Mm -hmm. So the first thing a membership plan does is it addresses that. They know exactly what they're going to pay to get their clinics, exams, or x-rays. They know they got discounts off of other treatment. Everything's transparent, right? It's simple. Uh, and it makes them feel good because they want care. That's the other thing we saw is these uninsured patients want more care. They just don't get it because they're afraid. So you unlock that patient loyalty uh, and, and you bring them in more often. So that's number one. Number two, though, is it starts you on the path to independence away from the insurer. So once you get your membership plan in place, you can use it as one replacement for bad insurance plans, right? And so you might use it as a way to say, hey, look, these bad insurance plans, one is they're bad for me and they're bad for my patients. Why are my patients on these, right? So let's try to transitioning some of them over to the membership plan by having that option for them. You can do that. So it starts that path to independence, um, uh, and as a way to sort of as a backstop for some of those patients that are going to drop insurance. Um, and then the third one is is what I talked about is that ROI piece. So you start to see these patients come in. Now I'll just give you the stats across our platform. Un membership plan patients come in twice as often as uh, uninsured. They accept twice the amount of treatment. They stay with their practice. Our renewal rates on our membership plans are 80%. Um, mm -hmm. So it's just this thing where you just, you started creating sort of a, this recurring revenue model, number one in your practice, but also you, you start boosting production. You start boosting, you know, number of visits these patients are coming in on and, and things like that. So there's a, a, just a, a sort of an ROI piece. Uh, so I think at a high level, those are the three big ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I, but I agree with all of that. And, and that is what I have experienced as well. Always patting myself on the back for going through the work of creating that. And that brings me to my next question, because Dave, my listeners are busy ladies and they are making it happen. They have so much to do and they're being the boss and they're being the technician and they're maybe listening right now going, well, it would be amazing to have a membership plan, but I don't even have time to pee. 
So I'm not going to have time to set this membership program up. So I want to hear from you how much work it really takes. Like, just be honest with us. How much does it take? How much training does it take? Let's get down to the nitty gritty of what that looks like. Cool. So there, there are a lot of components to putting a membership plan in place. And I'm trying to figure out, and there's two paths, right? You can do it yourself and try to, you know, uh, create one that is sort of whatever in-house, quote unquote, or you can use somebody like Clear, right? To help you set it up. So let me, and I don't, I, I just want to, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to talk about Clear. I want to talk about the process of setting one up and why you want to automate certain things. So first is you got to, you need to design it and price it, right? So that's yes. step number one. And yeah. so question is sort of where do you start well where you start is looking at your patient demographics and mm -hmm. so we for example i'll just give you one example this you know can go all over the place i'll make sure you talk about too so if you have a pediatric practice for example right are the pretty pediatric practices we have on our platform typically we'll have three care plans are offering right one will be for let's say toddlers right one is for teens one is for young adults something like mm -hmm. that right and each one of those care plans is going to be a little bit designed a little bit differently and priced differently right, for those types of patients. Uh, a standard general practice will typically have one for kids, uh, if they do have uh, uh, child patients, and they'll have one for adults or standard adults, and they'll have one for perio patients, right? And that's sort of standard three. Uh, and again, each one designed based on your protocol that you want to apply. Uh, and then we have other practices that will have those three, but they have also slant towards adult, I mean, older patients. So they have a lot of, let's say, 65 plus patients. Mm -hmm. And we had one practice and uh, put in a, uh, what they called their, um, I'm trying to remember the exact name of it, but it was like a, a older patient VIP plan. Um, and that plan, I think it was called mm -hmm. senior care or something like that. But in that plan, they actually lowered the cost a little bit, the price, but they uh, said, hey, if you join this uh, plan, you'll get a little bit lower price from our standard adult subscription, but you need to come into the office between one and four o'clock in the afternoon because we have time, you have time, we'll give you a discount for that. So the net is you got to figure all that out and figure out how sort of how to design the plan and sort of price it. And at, at Clear, we do all that for you. We, we sit down, talk to you, we figure it out and we sort mm -hmm. of put it together, but that's step number one. Mm -hmm. Step number two is training your team, right? Mm -hmm. And making sure they know how to talk about the plan and also how you promote it to your patients. So you're going to have to create things like brochures, right? That go into your, your lobby uh, and at your front desk. That's, you know, that sort of, you know, uh, creates the baseline for your plan. But then the team needs, needs to know how to talk about it. And so what we learned in our research is each person should talk about it from their perspective. So I'll give you an example. Uh, the front desk team, what we saw really works well with patients is say, hey, look, I've been meaning, I've been wanting to get you something, right, like this. I wanted to be able to get you affordable care, right, in the subscription mm -hmm. model. Now we offer it, and I'm so happy I can offer this to you, right, a way for you to get the care you want that's affordable, it's budget, you know, friendly, because you know what you're going to pay on a monthly basis and things like that. And that's speaking from the heart as a front desk person, getting something of uh, value to your those patients. The hygienist is going to be a little bit different. The hygienist discussion is going to be, hey, look, we now have this plan. And what it does is it includes all your preventive uh, care. So I know I'm going to see you more often, right? I'm going to be mm -hmm. able to improve your oral health. And that's what I love to do. And I want to see you more. And this enables me to see you more and have you come in here more often, right? And, mm -hmm. and even we saw with the dentist, like being open when the dentist talks to the patient about it, about, hey, I deal with all these hassles of insurance. It costs you money. It costs me money, right? I got all this administrative costs, right? There's limits and exclusions. This gets rid of all that, and I can pass that on to you, right, and make it savings. And we have direct 
uh, relationship between me and you and patients reacted really well to that. So it's sort of heartfelt, right? And each person sort of thinks about it in their own terms. Um, so that's the next thing is just training people, making sure they can talk about it and promote it. Uh, mm -hmm. And then the third piece is then promoting that outside of your practice, right? Getting that into your social media feeds, uh, doing things like maybe even going down to the chambers of commerce and talking to uh, small businesses in the area or going to retirement communities and talking to them about it. Like just get the word out and you'll be really surprised. So especially like retirement communities, they're typically, you know, had coverage their whole life. They retired, they lost coverage, right? And, uh, and now this gives them access to coverage because uh, they typically will pass on insurance. Only about 20% of seniors will buy insurance, dental insurance. 80% mm -hmm. just go without coverage uh, yeah. once they retire. So I think once you get that sort of outside promotion in place, that, you know, will draw some new patients into your practice. So the net is all that sort of, you know, there's work to be done is sort of the net of all of that. And uh, you can either try to do it on your own or you can use somebody at clear who will sort of streamline all of that and make it really simple. Yeah, um, that's that all sounds great. And I just want to add, I'm super excited because we are doing our first retirement community outreaches this summer. We had to um, put it off because of COVID, but now the retirement community, all those people are bored and they're yeah. so super excited for anybody to come. So we have a presentation we're preparing just about how you take care of your teeth in your retirement ages. And we're gonna talk about acid and root caries and dentures and gum disease, you know, bleeding, stuff like that, add some value. And then we're gonna talk about insurance and how a lot of times you lose your insurance, but we have this thing and we're gonna bring some wine and some cheese. And I think it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> yeah, practices do that and it works really well. Yeah, bringing the wine into cheese is an important component to get into the audience. Exactly. Yeah. And then I think we're going to bring paper copies of our schedule because I don't want to try to deal with making sure everything like is synced up and stuff. But I think we're going to get some enrollment right there. It, it happens all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People will come and, and enroll right then and there. And then also some people like to think about it for a week or two. Right. So if you hand them something like a brochure yes. with your information on it, you'll get calls for the next couple of weeks about it. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to do that while the weather's nice once a month and just see how it goes. But I think it's going to be something we, we start incorporating regularly. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm super excited about that. So tell me, um, what else can you tell us about? Okay. Yes. I'm my, my question is gelling here. Um, what I teach as a life coach is that we only take action on something when we have an emotion that's driving us to take that action. So if I have, and this is a perfect example because I'm someone who just dropped the big insurance company. Congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. My associate still carries it. Um, so, so far we haven't really seen very much attrition at all. It's just that all of a sudden my schedule is full of bigger things and a lot fewer hygiene exams. And I have more time to just talk to the patients. But um, going back to my point, from a coaching perspective, I'm not going to take that action of dropping a big insurance plan unless I'm feeling the courage and maybe the deserve level to do it. And before I didn't feel that, I felt victimized all the time. And that victimized feeling came from what I thought and believed about having dental insurance and carrying it. So it goes feeling, thought, 
action like that. And since I felt victimized, I didn't take action. And I felt that because I was saying to myself, I'm a victim of this insurance company. I can't control any of this. I don't have a choice. If I drop it, everyone will leave. Okay. So what I want to do is experiment with you because you've probably seen several practices take that big, brave step of getting out. And I want to hear from you what you think the dental owners are saying to themselves when they're ready to feel something different. Do you see what I'm saying here? We're, we're doing a little life coaching experiment. So what are those dentists, what are they thinking and feeling that's giving them the courage to move forward? That's a really good question. So the, the issue I typically see, and I'll get into you know, what I see why they move forward, is the thing that keeps them from moving is either inertia. So I've just always done it this way, right? Mm -hmm. And I just, there's no, you know, whatever. It's hard to get over inertia. And then the other piece is fear, right? Mm -hmm. Fear of the unknown uh, on the other side. So what I've actually seen, what compels Dennis to move forward is either the pain has become so bad, right? So it's just really hard for them to make any profit or they're practicing dentistry in a way they never wanted to, right? Which is mm -hmm. churn and burn mm -hmm. uh, and go through as many patients as they want. And they, they at some point they hit a wall and say, I can't do this anymore, right? Yes. And it's time to move. And early in my career, somebody told me people move from pain more than they move towards reward. And I think mm -hmm. that's true, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so the pain becomes so bad, they have to move. That's one thing. There's another thing though, where I, we see practices and dentists who are just more business oriented and understand what the impact of moving towards independence is and more control of the relationship with their patients. And they get it. They get the idea that, hey, if I have this infrastructure in place that enables a practice or a patient to buy directly from me, that's better for me. It's better for the patient. And it's a very business oriented sort of mindset. Yes. Um, so those are the two I've seen predominantly. Uh, and so it's either an internal thing where they just know uh, intuitively or maybe through experience that this is a good thing and I want to get that done or it's so much pain, I have to move. I'm just done with the, the current uh, sort of framework. Yeah. So let's, um, let's assume that the ladies who are listening to this podcast are more in that I'm a business oriented owner because um, that's just, who listen to podcasts anyway, right? Um, and let's just look at what we can show them right now that helps them see that moving towards this smart goal is a good idea. So for example, how much less dentistry can you do? Maybe you don't know the answer to this. If you're not taking a discount and still bring home the same salary. So think about this for a second. So the average discount that a practice is offering, right, uh, through insurance is about 40%. Mm -hmm. So if I tomorrow said you're no longer accepting insurance, right, mm -hmm. and you're going to be a fee-for-service practice, you could lose 40% of your work and still make the same. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's, a, in my opinion, and I'm not a, so uh, full disclosure, I'm not, I'm not running down practices, so uh, I, I could be schooled on that in, in all kinds of ways, but the net would, for me is if I look at that as a business person, that's a pretty good margin for error, right? Mm -hmm. And if I ended up losing 40% of my patients, I'm still in the same place. <laughs> and I will add, and I agree to all that, all of a sudden you've got 40% more 
capacity in your practice and everybody coming in is paying without a discount. And so all of a sudden you're starting at even and you're ramping up from there and actually having the time and the money to give your patients the very best care. And here's another stat, because again, we get a lot of data. Most, it's funny, the perception of what a fee-for-service practice is versus what the reality is. So most people think fee-for-service is all cash paying patients who are uninsured, right? Mm -hmm. And it's actually not. So 70% of the fee-for-service patients are actually insured. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're just paying the full, your full fee, right? And then getting reimbursed from the back end, either with your help or on their own. So you still have the same backbone to your patients, but they've sold value to those patients that it's worth coming in there and potentially spending a little more because either the experience is better, right? The care is better, or I just feel comfortable with this person. Like it's a value positioning thing. It's not that the patient demographics going to that practice are any different than an insurance-based practice. They're actually mm -hmm. exactly the same. That's really interesting. And that brings up um, another podcast that ladies might want to listen to if they're wanting to move towards fee-for-service, but still be insurance-friendly. As in, you're not saying we're anti-insurance, but let us, let us help you use it to the best that we can. And that's the Less Insurance Dependence Podcast with Gary Takis. Have you listened to that? I, yeah. So uh, I had a very, very successful fee-for-service practice tell me mm -hmm. that when somebody calls and says, hey, do you accept Delta Dental? And let's say you're fee-for-service. They say, sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. say, the answer is always yes, right? And yeah. it's not deceptive, right? It's sure, we're going to help you get reimbursed from Delta Dental, right? Mm -hmm. And we can come, when you come in, we can explain that to you. Or they have somebody on the phone explain it to them, right? Mm -hmm. And so... It's not that you're not, you know, accepting insurance, quote unquote. It's just a different process, right? For the patient to get access to the reimbursements of insurance. Yeah. And I think it's a business mistake that dentists make sometimes when they're like, well, we don't take that or we're, you know, there's like, there's your words matter, right? Absolutely. And helping a patient see that they can use their insurance and still get the care that they want is amazing because then they come away from it feeling like they even helped me use my insurance. Exactly. It's yeah. a chance to provide service, right? Mm -hmm. To the patient because they might not have any idea how to use insurance, right? It might mm -hmm. actually, I think the stats were like 80% of patients don't understand their insurance plan. So if you help them with that, and it's funny because you think fee for service, I'm away from insurance. No, you might actually learn more about insurance because you have to position it properly back to the patient mm -hmm. for them to get their reimbursements and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's really important that you answer those questions in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. This is so good. I hope to someday be all the way fee for service right now. We're just sort of in transition. Right. And I think it's okay for any of these um, listeners um, who own practices to think about where your practice is right now, understanding that third-party payer stuff is going down, okay? So what is your path going to look like? How can you make yourself a path to be more independent by the time what insurance companies are providing for you isn't enough anymore? Well, let's just make a path, make a plan, and be aware that as you walk through that plan, your thoughts to yourself matter. If you tell yourself that you can't, or if you tell yourself that you're too busy, or you tell yourself that you're scared, you're not going to take those steps. So babysit what's going on up there in your brain, monitor it and remind yourself that this is smart and that you can do it.
And just as a uh, personal experience that relates to that, that first step is always the hardest, right? Mm-hmm. It's the hardest thing to take a step in a different direction. And my personal experience with that was when I was working at Microsoft, you know, great job. Actually, I was being promoted to a new, whole new level in the company and going to be like an executive at the company. And the net was, I just wasn't that happy in that position. And I wanted to go do my own thing. And mm-hmm. I wanted to go out and start my own company. And people thought I was insane that I would leave that type of, you know, whatever trajectory I was on and go try to do something new. But I, in, internally, it was important to me. It was really important to me. And I sat down with somebody, I was going through this back and forth. And he said, if somebody who already had gone out and started their own company, and he said, that first step is the worst. He goes, that is the biggest thing you're going to do in your career. And it's going to feel horrible, right? Yeah. It's like the big mistake. And he goes, here's the beauty of it all, though. He goes, after you take that first step, then you take the second, and then you take the third, right? You figure it out. And he said, that's what you want anyway, right? You want that independence to figure out that second, the third, and the fourth, and the fifth step. And he said, all of a sudden, you're running, and it doesn't feel like anything. But that first step is the big one. Yeah. And I will add to that, that sometimes people will say, I'm getting ready for change, and I'll change once I feel confident about it. (laughs) But if you do that, you won't ever change. When we're stepping into something like this, the first part of it is when we feel the most uncomfortable, which is what you're saying. And sometimes discomfort is the price that you pay for achieving your dream, which you probably experienced when you started your own company. Yeah, change is uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. There's no other way to put it. It is, it is. Yeah. But I will add, and you told me that you have a way to sort of smooth out that speed bump for our listeners here who are thinking, well, maybe starting a membership program would be an easy first step to creating this independence. So can you tell me what you can offer the ladies? You know, and I just want to point out anyone can, they can make their, um, their membership plan any way they want. Dave is here. He's with clear. He's going to tell us how he could help you if that is how you would choose to move forward. Yeah, so we have the uh, the team and the uh, product that make this all very, very straightforward and simple and easy and, and so it gets you up and running very quickly. Uh, so we start with a consult uh, with the practice and we understand, you know, what their goals of the membership plan are, you know, what their demographics of the patient base is, you know, just get a feel for what are they trying to do and what type of patients they have. And then from that, the, the consultant will design the plan. And we actually have an algorithm that will give you what we call smart pricing, which will price it properly relative to, we actually have data on all of our practices and we do analysis of it and we try to figure out where the right price points are, depending on what your fee schedule is, where you're located and what your goals are. So that is, we'll come back with a, uh, a pricing recommendation and you can change it if you want. But we get all that done, pricing, design, all that good stuff. Uh, we set it all up, you know, we give you we actually will ship you a welcome kit that has all the brochures, everything you need for your office. I mean, that's posters and buttons and all kinds of different stuff. We give you all the digital marketing materials you need for your website and for things like social media and so on and so forth. And we basically get you design, price, launched, all the promotional materials, and that's all free. You just get that all free. Hmm. And then once you're up and running and you add patients, we just get, uh, we charge a per patient fee based on them paying you. So they have to pay you for us to get paid. For some reason they don't pay, we don't get paid. So we're completely aligned. So the net is your success is our success. And so we provide everything you need uh, to get going and be successful uh, with the membership plan. Okay. So in other words, ladies, if you're listening and you're like, oh, maybe this would be good, then you really don't have anything to lose to call Dave and look into it right? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You can do the consult and decide you don't want to do it. That's fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or get it started. Hate it. Quit. Didn't cost you anything. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is there anything else you want to say to dentists who are wanting to look towards more independence before we close? Yeah, we also, we've gone in and started delving into the uh, analysis of PPOs and how they work for dental practices. And I was actually curious if you had done this, Laura, but we will help practices and we're not offering this as like a service yet, but we, we actually have created a guide of how you should analyze your dental, your PPOs and are they profitable or unprofitable for my practice? Mm. And so it's been really interesting. We've actually seen on average of the dental practices we've worked with is about 50 or 60% of the PPOs aren't even profitable for the dental practice. And, um, and we've actually had somewhere 70% of the plans they were in were unprofitable. So think about that. How could you possibly create a successful practice off of that, right? And so, you know, the membership plan is a step, right? That's a, one step yeah. that starts to create that independence. But starting to under, understand your PPOs is also really important. Trying to understand what's profitable and what's not. And I know it's very hard to do that sometimes. You just don't have the data uh, to figure it out. But it's pretty enlightening an eye-opening once you start to peel that, you know, whatever, take that cover back mm -hmm. and take a look at it. Um, we had a practice that was accepting a plan that was negative 40% profit margin. So they were losing 40 cents on every dollar that a patient spent at their practice. Can you, I mean, and that's not uncommon. We have plenty of their 30%, 25%. Um, it's insane, right? That be running a practice where you're basically subsidizing care for the insurers. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that just hurts my heart thinking about it. And you know, if I've got any listeners who are like, oh, I got a lot of plans. Let's talk. <laughs> Let's talk and, and make a plan to get yourself free from that. So yeah, so the overarching message here is just take that step, right? Yeah. Start to liberate your, your, your dental practice. Just, yes. it, it's, like you said, there's, there's no cost to it. There's no pain to it. It's just get, mm -hmm. get going, start, start yeah. trying and see where you go from there. And then yeah. step one might be the membership plan. Step two might be looking at your PPOs, right? Yeah. And so on and so forth. Just yeah. keep, you know, start taking those steps. Stay on that path, monitor your mind, make sure you're reminding yourself that you deserve this and you're not trapped, you have choices. We all went through a period where we weren't working at all, right, ladies? Just not that long ago, we couldn't work. And so, you know, contrast that to where we're at. We don't have to do what we're doing now. We're not trapped, we're not a victim, all right? All right, well, Dave, Dave I just wanna thank you so much for coming on. I think this was really eye-opening for me as a practice owner and I, I know that it will be for our listeners too. And just thank you so much for your time. Oh yeah, no problem. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on here. Okay, and we will be including in the show notes how to get a hold of you for anyone who wants to set up a consultation. Great, I appreciate that. Okay, thanks. Thank you for listening to Love Your Practice with Dr. Laura Mock. I would love to meet you. To join our movement, find the Facebook group called Love Your Practice and request to join. If you can't find it, just send me a message and I'll add you. You'll find me there helping all of my ladies to fall in love with their businesses and have a better life. <laughs>